0: Good morning and welcome to our service such as it is today january sixteenth, 2022 Uh, hopefully wherever you are you're able to stay warm and uh, and safe we got about depending on where you measure about three and a half or four inches of snow out here at the church and uh, we end up uh, doing things virtually today and so i'm so glad that you're able to join with us Um, if you have your bible i would encourage you to get that out and have that ready we're going to do kind of a little bible study today that's just going to be over a couple verses uh, but we're going to be in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 11, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 27 in just a little bit. Luke chapter 11 and verse 27. And today's text, as I said, is very short, and frankly, it's it's kind of it's kind of odd. I mean, um, some texts are are, uh, are easier than others. This one is is it's just different. And we're just going to read the two verses today. And I'd like to talk to you just a little bit about the topic of the blessing of obedience. The blessing of obedience. Now, you remember that last week when we looked at things, Jesus was, um, he had performed a threefold miracle. He was surrounded by crowds, and there was a demon, possess, demon possessed man, and Jesus did a threefold miracle. Number one, he cast out the demon. Number two, in doing so, he enabled that man to regain his ability to speak. And then uh, number three, he enabled that man to regain his ability to see. Now, this was clearly an act of God. It was something that only God could do. And yet, all these people were uh, surrounding him. Many of them were amazed. But some of them didn't respond the way that they should have. Some of them were so hard-hearted that whenever they saw what Jesus did, they ascribed the work of God to the work of Satan. They said that Jesus was in league with the devil, and they did all sorts of uh, said all sorts of terrible things. So Jesus answered them. He proved to them that that was not the case. That he was in fact doing this uh, by the work of God, by the power of God, and um, and this whole event made quite an impression on the people around him. <clears throat> not only, of course, the uh, uh, the The miracle itself, but also the way that he answered these critics of his and defended his ministry. Now uh, verse fourteen, we're not going to look at that today. we looked at it last week, but verse fourteen says that many in the crowds were amazed. and and in response to not only what he did, but also what he said, there was a woman in the crowd that we're going to look at today, and she cries out in response to this. And so we're going to look at uh, Jesus' words to her, uh, dealing with the pathway. To blessing, that being obedience. So if you found Luke chapter 11, I'd like you to look with me at God's word. We'll pick up in verse 27. It says, While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb which bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Now, like I said, this is a very short text, uh, but we'll just, given the nature of the text and the length of the text, what we're going to do is we're going to make just a couple of observations, draw some conclusions from that, and then look at uh, briefly at what Jesus actually says about obedience. So if you look look at, back at the text, look at verse 27. The first observation I make is that this is the only time, and this is as close to um, veneration of Mary that we have recorded in Scripture. So, so, so understand, here's this woman, possibly a mother herself, she sees what Jesus has done, she sees these miracles, she hears his answer, and it amazes her. She, she, she's just overcome with emotion, it seems, and so she, she bursts out in praise, oddly, of, of Mary. Now, it's not a secret that uh, our Roman Catholic friends, uh, and possibly others, venerate Mar- Mary. And, and they put her on a pedestal, and some, and I'm not talking about like some no-name priests in, in Podunk Parish. I mean, I'm talking about big names within the, within the Catholic Church, uh, including popes, actually worship Mary. They give her the title of co-redemptrix and, and so forth, they offer prayers to her, they exalt her, they venerate her. And don't get me wrong, she does deserve admiration. I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing to be chosen by God. To bear the Messiah, to raise Him as your own child—I mean, that, thats an incredible honor. But, but they go beyond what, what they should, I believe, and 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 we should, like I said, we should recognize her blessed place in redemptive history. But we we must remember that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Now, if their view of Mary was right, and I'm not talking just—I'm not just—I'm I'm not hammering the Roman Catholics here. I'm I'm talking about any. Uh, person or any group that, that, that focuses on Mary, if that view is right, this is the perfect time for Jesus to teach it. I mean, here's this woman that says, blessed is your mother. And Jesus could have said, you're right, blessed indeed. In fact, she, is, she, she deserves to be prayed to. And then he could affirm things like uh, it, it's good to pray to her, um, her perpetual virginity, that she would be bodily assumed into heaven when she died, and, and many other things like that that are taught today. But instead, what was his response? They, they, this woman said, blessed is your mother. And what was his response? On the contrary. On the contrary. Now, now, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying to offend, but I'm saying it so I'm not to, to be misunderstood. Mariology is idolatry. Mariology is idolatry. If someone prays to, if they trust in, if they put their faith in, anyone or anything besides the one true God, that that person or thing is an idol. And so... So, so Mary is not the focus here. Jesus says, no, on the contrary, being, being physically related to me is not the key. Now, the second thing I want you to see is that being impressed with Jesus is not the same as being transformed by Jesus. Being impressed by Jesus is not the same thing as being transformed by Jesus. Now, this woman was clearly impressed with Christ. I mean, she, she saw what Jesus did. It elicited some response from her. And, you know, there are a lot of people today who are impressed with Christ. I saw an interview just uh, just recently where, um, where a very well-known, uh, uh, very wealthy man was talking about his view of Christ. And he was, he was talking about how uh, Jesus was a, a good teacher and, and how we should follow many of the things that he, that he taught and, and so forth. And many people are in that camp. They say that Jesus was, was unique. He was special. He had a lot of good things to say. And they, say, they may even say we should follow the things that he taught. But, but, but many times... They ignore what Jesus did teach. They want to focus on turn the other cheek, love your neighbor as yourself, and so forth, but they ignore the teaching where Jesus said, if you would see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. They ignore the teaching where he says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. They turn a blind eye to all of that. They, say, they, they like the Jesus of therapeutic deism, the Jesus that teaches us to play nice on the playground and to feel nice about ourselves, that they're impressed with, but they're not transformed by Jesus. And if you would go to heaven, if you would truly follow him, you must be born again. You must be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun. You must be adopted into God's family. You must be reconciled to God and have your sins forgiven. And that happens when we put our faith in Christ alone for salvation. That happens when we cast ourselves on him for his mercy when we plead with God for forgiveness. And when that happens, the Bible says that God takes out that heart of stone and He puts in that heart of flesh. He gives us a new nature. He transforms us from the inside out. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And the question that I would ask you this morning, wherever you are, is whether or not you've been transformed by Christ. It's not enough to be impressed by him. I mean, the the demons, they, they fear and tremble. They know who Christ is, and yet they're not saved. It's not enough just to recognize that Jesus was a good man or a good teacher. We must be born again. We must be transformed from the inside out. Now the last thing I want you to see in our text today is uh, is it's really the, the direct teaching that Jesus gives. And if you look at verse 28 again, I want you to see uh, what he says. <clears throat> but he said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That is what Jesus said the pathway to blessing is. It's, it's hearing the word of God and then observing it. It's doing it. That's what observation means. And, and so... Um, the, the pathway, the, the key to being blessed by God is obedience. Now, what does it mean to be blessed? Well, usually when we think about blessing, we think about money in the bank, don't we? We think about good health. We think about, um, you know, get, getting that promotion at work or, or the kids doing well in school or whatever it is. We, we think about those material blessings. And those things many times are wrapped up in the blessing of God. But that's not, the, the idea of blessing in the Bible is much larger than that. Because the idea of blessing means happiness. It means being fortunate. It's experiencing the smile of God on our lives. Now, the words that this woman used are not technically wrong. I mean, Mary predicted that all, all people would call her blessed. And this woman unknowingly and unwittingly fulfilled that prediction. But sometimes the issue is not the words that are used, but the idea behind the words. And yes, Mary was fortunate to be chosen by God to bear the Messiah and, and to carry Him and, and, and raise the Savior. But this woman is stating that the pathway to blessing is to be found in how you're related to Christ physically. Let me say that again. This woman is saying that the pathway to blessing is how you're related to Christ physically. But but Jesus, uh, and Jesus switches that around. He says, on the contrary, that is not the key. That may be a fortunate thing for you, but that is not the key to blessing. Now, people today are not going to be focused on how they're physically related to Christ but, but many people are, are focused on how they're related to other people, and they think that is the pathway to blessing. So what I mean is many times people think, well, you know what? Um, my, my wife or my husband, they go to church, and, and so therefore I'm going to be blessed. I am blessed because I am married to that person. I am blessed because my parents were big in church. My dad was a deacon. My grandpa was a, a preacher. Uh, The rest of the family claims to be a Christian, therefore I'm just kind of bundled in and and I'm going to receive the blessings of God because of who I'm related to. But Jesus corrects that with a simple statement, verse 28. Instead of our blessing being tied to who we're related to physically, our blessing is tied to obedience, of hearing the word of God and doing it. And that's what it means here when it says to observe it. It's not just making observation of the text and noticing details about the text. It's Seeing the word, hearing the word, and then keeping it, and then doing it. it, it this is the consistent message throughout scripture, isn't it? I mean, we see it, we see it lived out in the life of Abraham. In the Old Testament, God called Abraham to leave his, uh, to leave his homeland. He called uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Of course, we know that didn't actually uh, end up happening because God provided a, a substitute. And he provided a ram. Uh, but, but it was as Abraham was being obedient. That God provided the blessing. It was as He was doing what God had said that God provided uh, this this blessing of having an heir, of having uh, the Messiah come through His line. Uh, we, we see it. We see it taught by Christ Himself, not only here, but it's, it's taught explicitly in John thirteen seventeen. Jesus said, "If you know these things, you are blessed. If you do them, it's not enough just to know Scripture and what it says. We should do it too." James chapter two verse twenty. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? And then it goes on in verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We don't work for our salvation, we work from our salvation. God makes a change on the inside, and that leads to us doing good works on the outside. I believe it was Augustine who said that we're saved by faith alone, but by a faith that's not alone. In other words, our faith will always produce good works. That, that's what true faith does. It, it shows itself in being obedient to what God said. And John said in First in John I believe it was that, 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 that we know His commands and His commands are not burdensome to us. It's going to show itself in action. And if we would experience the smile of the Lord on our life we must be obedient. You say but pastor I don't think God's really all that concerned because I give a lot of money to the church. You know, at, at New Hope, we do a lot of uh, soup. Uh, we, we collect the cans. And maybe you think, well, you know what? I, I, give, I give a lot of cans of soup. Or you think, well, I, I teach Sunday school, or I, I participate in Bible school, or, or, or whatever it is that, that I help at a local charity. I do this, I do that, whatever it is. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says in part, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God wants you to do what he says in his word. And those of us who are parents, we, we understand this, don't we? Yes, we may like, let's say, a, a gift that our child gives us, but we would rather them just do what we said, <laughs> just, just be obedient. And that's what God is calling us to do as Christians, is to be obedient. Now that is an easy thing to talk about, but it's a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder to do in the daily grind as we're dealing with, with family situations and and work situations, and health situations, and and all those different things. And many times we don't live up to what God's called us to do. We don't do what He says clearly in His Word to do. We do the things that He's clearly said in His Word don't do. And the Bible tells us that when we fail, when we are disobedient, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the righteous. And the Bible says that if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now it could be that you are a Christian today. And you need to be right with God. Maybe you've wandered off into the far country. You've gotten wrapped up in sin. Listen. God. The Bible says God remembers our frame. That, he, that, that we're just dust. And he, He's compassionate like a father towards a child. And, and, and he is compassionate to those who call on him. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the West. That's all in Psalm 103. And it could be that, that, that you as a Christian need to do that. And I would encourage you even today, right where you are, to do that, to get right with God, to ask God to forgive you of that, to, to confess your sin to him, and then strive to do better. But it could be that, you're, that that you need to do that for the first time. Maybe maybe you're sitting there today and you've never called on Christ for salvation. That means the Bible says you are separated from God today. If you were to die in that state, if you were to die separated from God, you will, your, your fate will be sealed. You'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. There are no second chances after death. At the point of death, our, our decisions are ratified. And that's why the Bible calls us to respond today. While it's still called today, don't harden your heart, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. And right now, right where you are, even if it's at home, I, I call on you, if you've never done so, to repent of your sin and trust Christ for salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we are thankful for your your forgiveness. And that even when we as Christians fail, and we fail to live up to what you've uh, called us to do, you're gracious, you're compassionate, You forgive us, and you put us back into service. And God, for that person, maybe you've never accepted Christ, I ask that you would draw them to yourself today and let them become your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, uh, thank you all for uh, for joining with us, and uh, hopefully we can meet together next time in person. And until then, God bless.